0: Kings. Oh I'm all on board the Death to Kings train Hello and welcome to the Disney Animated Cannonball A podcast about me, Talon Watching all the Disney animated movies With Fox
1: Me, Fox, who's already seen them all But that won't stop me from watching them a 99th time
0: Uh, Tal- I'm- I'm Talon, he him
1: I'm Fox, she her
0: And we watched 1959's Sleeping Beauty
1: The good Snow White.
0: Funny you make that comparison.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's unavoidable, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, It it is just like, this movie is structurally very similar.
1: I mean, it's very true that, that in the Princess Oeuvre, Cinderella comes in between these. But Sleeping Beauty is definitely a lot more like Snow White, structurally.
0: I would also say that this movie codifies a lot of things that Snow White tries.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, Snow White is really rough on the rewatch. Yeah. Whereas this, you can see the Disney stuff solidifying into, like, just sparkly, tacky gold.
0: Oh, jeez. I just realized this is my turn to do the plot in 60 seconds.
1: It is. All right. (laughs) I mean, you can trade back if you want. You you can always reverse. But I feel like you're up to it.
0: (sighs) Okay, yeah, I think I got this.
1: All right. In that case, your time starts now.
0: A baby is born to a king and a queen, which is then blessed by two out of three fairies. An evil witch slash fairy is kind of present and gets pissy about not being invited, so she curses the child to prick her finger on a spinning wheel and die. Uh, The third fairy then spends her wish to make it so that the kid isn't going to die. Uh, and the king and the fairies then spend the rest of the movie making, like, preventative measures to make sure that thing doesn't happen. They fail to not make it happen, and she winds up pricking her finger on a spindle wheel and falling into a deep sleep until true love's kiss can save her, which is the plot of the fairy story. But surprise, twist, this movie actually put in, like, character development and introduction and plant and payoff and had a prince... Who did stuff before I, he kissed her.
1: Didn't I tell you he's got a name this time? Oh, sorry. This is your minute.
0: This is my time, Fox.
1: Oh, no. Well, not anymore. Okay. All right. You had, you made it with four seconds to spare. Yeah.
0: And how did I do for the plot?
1: Uh I mean, you kind of left out some details, but you mostly covered that in surprise. They're actually people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is This is weird. This is a Disney movie where some of the characters have an inner life.
1: This is very much why I think of it as the good Snow White. Like, it's all the same beats as Snow White, but just, like, she's not a weird baby. Mm-hmm. And the prince is a person who has had feelings about things ever. But but I get ahead of myself, because first we need to roll back and talk about our pre-existing relationship with this movie. Talon, had you seen Sleeping Beauty before?
0: I had seen bits of Sleeping Beauty. It is one of those ones that Disney chopped up and put into various other things. There's nothing here I feel I missed, aside from, like, the the crow having a full narrative arc.
1: <laughs> that crow. Well, we'll talk about him later.
0: Yeah. Uh, But no, Uh, this movie also got to live on the mangled VHS versions ah, yes. from a particular lady from our church. So I had seen a version of this. With a bunch of the songs and a bunch of the magic cut out.
1: Um, I was going to say, why do they not, like, at the end she literally says she's the forces of hell. I feel like that would go well with oh. with Christian media. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of fairies doing good magic for good reasons. Yeah. Can't have that.
0: Maleficent stayed intact.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, she's kind of the best bit of the movie.
0: But... And the movie got pared down to like 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't have a lot left if you took out all the funny fairy bits. Yup
0: <laughs> What about you?
1: Uh, I've seen this movie a jillion times. Uh, because well this was not much of a movie for me. Fox was not a princess fan. Uh, but Fox's sister was a bit more on the traditional girl front, and this was her favourite Disney for a very long time. She never felt as strongly about favourites as I did, as as far as that kind of thing went. Like, she had five or six favourite colours. Uh, over the years, and I had green, 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 (laughs) more green, this slightly different green, and now that green. Uh, But uh, in in as much as she had a favorite, it was definitely this one.
0: Anything you noticed on the double take?
1: I've got a few things. Mostly there's a lot of words I believe I first learned from this movie. Let's see, some choice selections. Melancholy, steadfast, gratifying, definitely betrothal, pretty sure imbecile. (laughs) Uh, The Rabble. <laughs> uh, actually, Gentry and Nobility, too, come to think of it. Uh, there's definitely a few more. Uh, I wrote them down somewhere. Pompous. Pompous. And also, whatever Merriweather threatened to turn Maleficent into, <laughs> which sounded like Poptoon, but I can't work out what that <laughs> is, and I never have.
0: A poltroon.
1: She, is a poltroon? That would make sense. That's a word.
0: Yes. <laughs> Go on, ask me why I know the word poltroon
1: biblical no No. um gilbert and sullivan
0: captain haddock
1: oh how do i not know that then i am a tinter nerd dang it i feel outdone at my own game that's just one of those things that you come across as a child and it forms that sound in your brain and you know you don't know the word so you just go all right whatever
0: yeah this is a word an adult will tell me if i use it wrong
1: (laughs) and then years later you learn that well right it, it was poltroon all along and you also recognize things like somber repose mm. and the fact that this is the first place you heard the phrase true love conquers all and you didn't understand it at the time because you were pretty sure that true love wouldn't conquer things like you know marriage or <laughs> or having kids or something or a gun and you may have missed the point when you were five <laughs> see you say gun but you're thinking very much like not me <laughs> I just thought it was a bit of a logical fallacy.
0: <laughs> that said, my uh I actually have a point of the double take.
1: Yeah, what you got? Which
0: is I don't know if it's because it got cut in the VHS mangle or hon, or if it's just the first time I've seen the scene like in high quality. But she bleeds. Maleficent fucking bleeds. Oh, she
1: does a little bit, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, the sword goes into her gut and she bleeds. It's
1: like sus looking dragon blood but oh, it's still blood it's purple dragon yeah. blood but you know yeah. holy shit I guess you could probably get away with it when it's purple so clearly not human so and also she declares herself to be the mistress of all evil and the forces of hell
0: Lady the Tramp gives us our first instance of pissing and now this gives us our first characters that bleed until like the black cauldron
1: First, il- our first illusion to peeing existing it's not the same thing
0: well yes pee your illusion Anyway.
1: I mean, if nothing else, I'm pretty sure the weird nappy wearing gods in Fantasia allude to peeing as much as Tramp did. But. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> anyway, one more thing I noted here, which was definitely just, uh, I didn't get it at the time, along with the word somber repose. Like, I know the words of most of this movie all the way through, except for the ones I didn't recognize at the time, which includes whatever word they were using to toast with scomps.
0: I in fact took a note of that one because I thought there's no way Fox knows that I word. I did
1: not. It, I had no idea. Not as a child. Not over thirty years. Not now.
0: Scumps.
1: Scumps. What is it? It's
0: a toasting word. I don't know. Oh,
1: it's just a nonsense word like yeah. cheers.
0: Well, it it might be a word with a specific meaning, but I've always known it as just that's the thing people say before they drink, <laughs> like skull. Skull. Uh, S K O A L. Huh. Seen it in a couple of comics. I'm sure it means okay. something. Don't know what it means.
1: That sounds Vikingy. Yeah, <laughs> Scarlet.
0: But yeah, so I guess I'll just cross that out <laughs> of my notes. Don't need to do the bit on scumps anymore.
1: And during that song, also the line that last was all foam.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't get that when you're a
0: little kid. <laughs> no, you
1: don't. <laughs> I mean, I understood that they were getting drunk. That much was clear. Didn't yeah. Have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of the dialogue in this film is very like highfalutin.
0: <laughs> yeah, they 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 were clearly aiming for a medieval fantasy.
1: I mean, you know, uh, an approachable in the 50s medieval fantasy, they're not theseing and bawsing for the most part. Except when they do magic. I guess magic is more posh. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I have to wonder if if the dialogue in this film shapes my own dialogue, actually. Because, I mean, I, I was a kid who liked to use some fancy fucking words whenever I could. Yeah. In this kind of language. Oh, boy. Yes, yeah, so that's cool. Oh, yeah, it also relates to the fancy language. Uh, uh, Flora says, each of us the child may bless with a single gift. Mm. And that was another thing that made me go, huh? Right? Because... Mm. I mean, it's it's not that it's wrong, but when you're used to talking about things in the no- it's fucking Yoda speak, isn't it? It's just <laughs> swapping around your subjects and, and confusing a kid.
0: And next up, we go and put our hand on The Yikes Door, otherwise oh, yeah. known as product of its time.
1: God, The Yikes Door. I, this film is so un-yikesy, I honestly forgot The Yikes Door existed.
0: <laughs> I have some yikes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, there's general, you know, uh, uh, kings are a, a a universally agreed upon good and everybody just fucking loves the royal family and coming out and celebrating the royal family, and yada, yada, whatever, but...
0: That, that's some invisible bullets shit. I'm perfectly happy <laughs> saying... Uh, that doesn't give me a yikes reaction. What does give me a yikes reaction... ...is the fact that Philip... We see Philip as an ambulatory animate child. So he's maybe four or five at the youngest when he sees Aurora for the first time. Maybe he's like seven. My read at first was about seven years old, but also like hard to say, which means in the forest when they do meet and they dance for a moment, he keeps grabbing her hand. And this is perfectly acceptable back and forth, playful, flirting, kind of touching for the time. But when she's a 16 year old and he's like 23 ish, it just, doesn't make me happy it
1: is a bit unfortunate like let's say he's minimum 21 because there's no way he's less than five years old
0: yeah when we First, see i was him. being generous yeah. like maybe four if if you really want to push it but i looked at that kid when he's like seven or eight
1: yeah you're right and i i did have one note of you don't go for the second hand go- like after she pulls the hand away that's when you stop having him yeah grab her hand uh it's yeah you're right it's extremely of its time
0: yeah Um, and that's something, see, here's the thing. I don't think, hey, this was an evil. I think it makes him look shitty. It makes him look like a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah. And that means that, uh, characterization wise in this actual universe, diegetically, the people who made it, that was not a gesture they thought of It made him bad. And here are just like, I would rather he did something cool.
1: Yeah. Anyway. It's, uh, it's not as, it doesn't age well. Yeah, It is not, these days, a particularly romantic gesture.
0: But again, two movies ago, we watched Peter Pan. <sighs> <Ugh>.
1: <sighs> yeah, and, uh, you know, any old romance. I was surprised about this with Lady and the Tramp, too. Any old romance, you, you run the risk of looking back and going, oh, boy, we, we really did think that a guy being pushy counted as romance back then. Yeah. And this one's a little worse than I remembered it, uh, whereas Lady and the Tramp was a little better.
0: But other than that
1: yeah i mean once again it's it's a yikeslessness born mostly of uh, omission
0: yeah there's no black people there, in this kingdom this
1: kingdom is white as fuck but i mean also at least we don't have maleficent reading as a, a racial stereotype or even oh. her little piggy minions reading as racial stereotypes yeah they're all very just you know european slightly satanic yeah which is it's fine it's fine you know what disney keep on doing that
0: I would rather you not fuck up the things you do when we are, when, like, you doing a better job of other stuff? That's going to be great. We'll get to the pushing you in that direction. But for now, thank you for not fucking up what you did try and do. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. Alright, so we've emerged relatively unscathed from the Ike
0: store. Uh Uh-huh. Which means that our next stop is... (sighs) Eyelash watch. Eyelash
1: watch. Nada.
0: Nah, I didn't see it.
1: Nothing. I... The, char- the the uh, girl characters barely have eyelashes in this one. Uh, we just generally don't get any of those doll-like individually drawn eyelashes, even most of the time, for Aurora herself. Except in that weird shot when she first wakes up and she's drawn in a very different style. Even as a child, I remember that scene looking so weird.
0: I did have a point where I was expecting to see the eyelashes flicker in and out, <laughs> which was the drunken bard.
1: I expected that that, uh, Drunken, not a Tudor. Which one's he? Uh, Not Philip. Not Stefan.
0: Let's call him Hiram.
1: Okay. No, I don't like that.
0: (laughs) What are the Drunken Um, Fathers? It doesn't
1: matter. We'll we'll call him Henry because he's obviously based on Henry Tudor. I was expecting to see them on him when he was surprised or or trying to suck up to someone or he's just that kind of character, but they did not pop up. Mm -hmm. So A
0: very, very uh, eyelash drought. Which means our next stop is Swaggle Watch. And I owe everyone involved an apology. No. Yes, because we are unlikely to see Swaggles proper until the 1960s. Now, it's a bit embarrassing of me to find this out in the last film of the 50s. <laughs> well,
1: that's fine. I mean, we, we've we been watching for them developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely
0: the signs of them.
1: And we definitely know the movies we have seen them in from the future. Yep. So it's worth keeping an eye out to see where they started emerging.
0: But the reason I have done you a disservice by looking for Swaggles at this point is because Milt Carl hmm. was very much the Swaggle guy. Yeah. It is his move. Yep. And Milt Carl has not been getting credited in any of these movies.
1: He has.
0: Oh, no, he hasn't been getting credited for what he does. He has been getting credit, as uh, by the rules of pay scale, as a uh, character designer. He was still an animator. He was still doing animation. But if you go look at his Wikipedia page, there is a giant list of things he did, which he was uncredited for. Milt Carl, under Walt Disney directly, was apparently regularly butting heads with him. Because Milt Carl was good enough as an artist that he could do all the difficult characters, all the characters who did stuff that was complex, but very little of the stuff that Milt Carl enjoyed doing. So, for example, Milt Carl was the principal animator behind Peter Pan. He did almost all of Peter Pan, the character's movement and motion and changes of position and 3D space movement.
1: Is this going to end with But Milt Carl wanted to animate big, jolly... Happy characters who jiggled all over the place.
0: Not necessarily, but Milt Carl did want to do variety, and he did want to do characters that gave him leeway to do interesting things. He wanted to animate Hook, and he didn't get to.
1: Oh, he wanted to do big show-offs.
0: Yes. Now, this is the other thing about this, because this movie particularly has at the heart of it a contentious argument between two figures in the company, one of which is Milt Carl. And it's about Philip and Aurora. Now, Mm -hmm. you're an animation nerd. I am. I'm assuming you already know some of this.
1: Is this the extremely shitty argument about whether or not they should even be doing realistic proportioned humans in these films?
0: Close. It's how they did them. In this movie...
1: Oh, are they rotoscoping at this point?
0: Kind of. Not rotoscoping directly, but live action reference versions were filmed with live actors in costume serving as the models... For the animators, which Walt Disney insisted on, because I want the characters to appear as real as possible, near flesh and blood. Now, go fetch me a glass of cigarette. By contrast, Milt Carl...
1: Is he going to be my golden boy? Is Milt Carl going to speak for me and say, no, the point of animation is that you should animate whatever looks good, not what reality lets you do?
0: However, Milt Carl objected to this method, calling it a crutch a stifling of the creative effort anyone worth his salt in this business ought to know how people move
1: <laughs> okay so not exactly my my golden boy but uh you know let's let's just call that a butthole way of putting forward a point which is decent
0: milk carl and walt disney apparently butted heads For a long time, and were aggressively antagonistic (laughs) towards each other, but Milt was too good to be fired, and so he kept on, basically, Walt Disney be like, ah, yes, here's my grand vision, and behind him you'd have Milt Carl going, yeah, it's rubbish.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I'm not a huge fan of Walt Disney's grand vision, so I'm glad someone was there to do that.
0: And and that was...
1: Your Disney's are kind of like your George Lucas's, in that there is something good there, it's not that you want them... Completely gone. They just need to be surrounded by people to tell them, No.
0: <laughs> Stop
1: it. <laughs> you can't own a city.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, so and, and this is why Milk Carl was basically unable to do the bulk of the work that when we get further in, we'll look at and go, Well, that's a Milk Carl work. Because Disney kept on saying, No, you back in your box, get where I can control you. <laughs> and Milk Carl was really hard to control. Well, that because all the other animators would come to his desk. He'd be like, I'm having some real difficulty with this bit. Can you do me a couple of frames? Can you give me a sketch?
1: Just draw some keyframes, frames. Milt. Mil. Yeah. Gotta copy your keyframes, frames. Mil.
0: Yeah, just gotta change them a little to make sure no one notices.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. He doesn't sound like a swell guy or anything. Oh, no. This definitely sounds like a, a guy who is very full of his own talent compared to a guy who is a massive control freak. Yeah. Neither of those is a guy you want to spend a lot of time with.
0: And, and largely what we know about Milk Carl's uncredited roles comes from a guy called Joe Grant, who was also an animator. Not one of the nine old men. Yeah. He, he left just before this movie came out, in fact. Oh. And he came back in the... Uh, he, he came back to help with the animation on Beauty and the Beast. And thereafter, he worked at Disney four days a week until he died in 2004. And while he was there, every journalist and writer who worked around Disney just pumped joe grant for information <laughs> which is how we learned for example that lady and the tramp happened because joe grant got a spaniel
1: it was his dog yes oh that's lovely
0: yes and Milt carl was like look at the sketches i could do with this and walt's like yes bottom of it looks like a dress it could be a pretty girl dog now get me a glass of cigarette
1: <laughs> they do have those lovely feathers on the back no we're talking about dogs again
0: yes there's but- not a
1: dog movie no dogs in this
0: movie all right though there is
1: a horse who is a dog because <laughs> all animals are dogs
0: One final thing, well, before we leave the animation enclave of Swaggle Watch, this movie owes its uh, distinctive style and look because the whole thing was one of the first ones where a single artist did the key sketches and setting design, and then made everyone else fulfill that vision. We have watched one other thing animated by this key artist.
1: One other thing?
0: I'm not going to ask you to name the artist, but can you guess what thing we've watched?
1: In the process of Cannonball? Yes. Okay. Um... If I had to guess what this person did, um, is it a part of Fantasia or a yes. full thing? Yeah! Is it. Which part of Tasia is it? Is it the Pegasus bits? No! Because there's a lot of horses going on that, that remind me of Sleeping Beauty. Alright, fine. Hang on, I'm not done yet. Oh, Bald Mountain! Yeah. <laughs> of course it's Bold Mountain! Ah! I even have a note about how the Dunderlings the <laughs> dancing in Maleficent's Castle is clearly a callback. Yeah. It's probably not a callback, but it's definitely the same energy.
0: Yeah. This is essentially what happens when you let the artist who did the <laughs> key design for Bald Mountain do the story design for- do, Sorry, do the key designs <laughs> for Sleeping Beauty. You get Sleeping Beauty that looks like Chernobog's going to show up. <laughs>
1: And, like, this movie still looks great, but it looks so different from Lady in the Tramp.
0: Oh, goodness, yes.
1: Like, I I, I love it. I love the storybook backgrounds especially, even though I loved the background work in Lady in the Tramp, too. It was gorgeous. But, like, here we're gorgeous and stylized and just, you know, drawing what looks good. In one, one scene, there's just a fucking square tree in the background, like, this weird tall spindly thing right at the top that has a little cube like it's a hedge grown in the middle of a forest at you know treetop like. what the fuck is that bush i love it
0: the visual aesthetic was apparently designed to be a mix of medieval and art deco
1: yeah yeah and yeah oh you can see it think
0: they landed that one
1: <laughs> yeah i like it and doing that also made them look less of their time Than, say, Cinderella and Snow White do, in my opinion. Yeah. Cinderella is very 50s glam girl looking. And Aurora looks a bit like that, too. But she also doesn't look like that in a way that makes you go, Ah, they didn't just, you know, grab a fashionable ball gown from the time and put it on her. Mm. (laughs) I don't love Cinderella.
0: (laughs) Nonetheless, that's all I have for Swaggle Watch, just in time for it to become useful in the next movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to award a a small proto-swaggle to uh, uh, Hubert! That's his fucking name, King Hubert! To Hubert's sleeves mm. and jowls yeah. all rotating on their own with their own sense of drag. It's not a swaggle. No. But yeah. it's it's developing the energy of the swaggle where you have multiple parts of a character deliberately being moved even though it's not necessary to the scene or anything uh just to add a sense of continual motion to this character because he's a he's a blathering dog
0: guess what characters <laughs> milt carl got to do the animation for in this movie pretty confident he did hubert prince philip sir minstrel samson and king hubert sir minstrel.
1: i love that samson gets his own credit by name
0: yep <laughs> so yeah it, the the energy and the motion? Yeah. <laughs> Milk, Carl, loved him some round stuff. He did, yes. That horse is proto-Achilles for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> All right, which leads us to the meat of this episode, um, which is a little tricky because there is no sort of grand thesis for this movie. It's, no. It's a fairy tale, but it's not moralizing the way that our previous fairy tales have.
0: It is the same thing as a five-minute fairy tale padded out, but the padding they added in this case is like depth and characterization
1: it's it's good padding isn't it yeah like, i've I've heard people complain that these two leads are pretty boring but i
0: oh i'm not gonna argue they're <laughs> not boring <laughs>
1: they're so refreshing compared to the ones we've had so far though yeah i mean setting aside lady in the trap who are like very good leads but like compared to snow white uh well compared to cinderella and particularly snow white i mean we, we have a character who has Wants and needs, and those wants and needs conflict with each other. Yeah. And we have a prince who gets a name and some dialogue, and we see a scene of him doing literally anything other than dancing with a princess.
0: (laughs) Like, he is definitely a a very shallow character. Like, yeah, I can definitely agree that these characters are boring, but when you put it in the context of looking at Disney up until now, they are much more whole and realized characters than anything else we've seen um in the same way that last episode we kind of got stuck in the weeds of how the animation change transformed the way they made the movies and suddenly cuts and edits are just like good
1: (laughs) we did see that in this one too didn't
0: we Yeah. yeah but in this one it's that all the characters have reasonably fleshed out coherence no one is doing anything just because the story needs them to do it they have wants and yeah sure philip is basic I would say that of all the characters, Philip is probably like a step behind Hubert in complexity. But he's still got so much more than the two preceding handsome princes (laughs) that we've had to deal with of of the same type.
1: He is the first one we've encountered who's not literally still a stock character.
0: He's also the only one we've seen so far who changes. He is initially not impressed with Aurora. And I mean, it's a. Oh, oh, right.
1: Uh, Like baby Aurora, or the idea of grown Aurora.
0: Yeah. He doesn't care about Betrothal. Yeah, as a kid, he sees Aurora, and we see through this movie an admittedly very simple (laughs) arc, but he goes from, ugh, all the way to, I'm going to tell my father I need to break a promise. That's
1: legit. That's, you know. And I also love the, you know, well, it's the 14th century nowadays. I always enjoyed that. I didn't get what it was a reference to as a child in that they were doing a bit. From, from you know, future teenager movies. The
0: contemporary life of, well, it's the 20th yeah. century now.
1: And I mean, well, thinking about it now, it's the 50s, so teenagers are just beginning to emerge as, like, a thing that exists, right? It's um,
0: 1959. That means that the first wave of the baby boomers have turned 14.
1: Right, and, like, the 60s is when, well, particularly when America acknowledged that teenagers were, like, distinct from either adults or children.
0: Yeah, the 60s is yeah. when it all kind of... You know, tipped up the avocado. <laughs>
1: Some things happened in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, just, I mean, it's it's like a reverse Bechdel test, right? <laughs> does this Disney prince exist when he's not speaking to his princess? Yeah. And Philip does. He's, as you say, he is not complex. He is a basic boy, but he's he's still a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same to her. She's fairly simple.
0: I've used the expression, Hamlet's on hang gliders. A a lot. And I just want to say, I feel like Prince Philip is trying to avoid that problem as well. Like, you look at Sleeping Beauty, Prince Charming has nothing. So whatever you add to Prince Charming, if they had made him, for example, an avid fisherman in this, like, you would have a moment of like, really? Well, I guess. And it would seem like it's pushing against the very, very vague boundaries of what characterization was already there. So I can appreciate that they were just filling in some boxes, but they didn't fuck it up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, again, thank you for not fucking it up.
0: Maleficent! She (laughs) has personality! Uh, yeah,
1: it's a real, like, bitches, bros, non-binary hoes, a real villain has arrived. Yeah.
0: Holy crap.
1: (laughs) She is good shit. She is a big part of why every line from this film remains in my brain. Yeah. Even though it wasn't my favorite. But, like, she is so ah uh, she's just great to watch on screen. She's so dignified and such a bitch. <laughs> so like that combination of like elegance and self-importance and just being so petty. She would laugh at a skeleton.
0: She also one thing I really liked about this is the fairies fuck up a lot, okay? But there is no point in the story where the fairies fucking up makes things worse. The fairies... No, hang on. The fairies get the attention of Maleficent. But there's no reason that any other thing that day could have gotten Maleficent's attention. Like, it didn't have to be the fairies uniquely doing magic got the crow's attention. Alright? And they didn't cause the curse. Maleficent caused the curse. And Maleficent had to get to Aurora... And cast a spell on her and get her to jail. Je- like, the whole plot to hurt Aurora is directly acted on by Maleficent. It's not one of the fairies accidentally tipped over a vial of oh fuck juice.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they they do... They scovel to the point where they accidentally give themselves away, which is kind of a dipshit move. But yeah. it's not framed as like, well, this is... Enti- they would have been better off if the fairies had never been around... Yeah. They don't cause their own problems.
0: Their plans are weird and dumb, like putting <laughs> the whole kingdom to sleep.
1: It's That is a weird, dumb plan. I mean, I guess they just don't have any unfriendly kingdoms around that would just come in and go, well, Al's now, I guess. You guys are all asleep, but uh, you won't remember that because now you're dead.
0: And Hubert doesn't have any of those either. Like the king of the king of Hubert's country is currently indisposed and asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's wild.
1: I mean, I feel like countries can function okay without kings for the most part. Death to kings. <laughs> Death to king. Um, but uh, not necessarily by dragon. I guess. I mean, it's not like she's a good guy. It's not like she's a misunderstood victim of. Of one of these kings who who made a terrible, terrible broken oath promise in the past. And that's the whole reason that she decided to become the mistress of all evil who goes to taunt prisoners (laughs) and would totally laugh at a dead skeleton just because.
0: Fox is mad about live action remakes. I think we've hit all of our boxes.
1: Especially mad about Maleficent. It's one of the better movies of the live action remakes, but it's like character assassination on an (laughs) excellent villain. She doesn't need to have all that shit put on her. She's great. (laughs) And she fucking is.
0: Well, uh, I think I'm done with my, uh, you know, examination of inner lives.
1: Ah, well, sorry. Yes, I was. Okay. um, On the note of inner lives, I've also heard people complain about the fairies. I think they're great. I think they have a
0: very enjoyable, like wine arts kind of vibe to them. I am perhaps, perhaps this is the influence of Eton on me, or perhaps it's just something I've always already had going on. But I'm very fond of crap people doing their best.
1: <laughs> they are a bit crap. I like that they make a point of how Maleficent is way more powerful than they are, and they can't just magic shit at her or turn her into a battle poultry. Yep. I I liked. Fauna at the time, because she was named Fauna and she was green. Yep. But uh, it's become very clear to me uh, in in my adult days that Meriwether speaks for me.
0: Yeah. She's also the one who's most often right. (laughs) Yes! She's
1: she's the mean one out of the three of them. And she's right about everything.
0: Like, uh, particularly if they had been using a little of their magic on the regular to keep the load of their lives down and not fuck things up, they would be less likely to get into giant Barney fights about it the one time they bust out the wands. Just,
1: they would be.
0: I'm just saying, Merryweather was probably right. <laughs> also, Flora's taste in
1: Shades of Pink, very lacking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> pink isn't bad, but the Shades of Pink she matches together are bad.
0: Mm, and they do a great job with the terrible cake prep.
1: I love that scene. It's so stupid. But there's so many good like visual jokes and stuff. The three different cups. I love the three different cups. Yeah,
0: it's really funny. <laughs> all right, now are we good with?
1: Not quite. Okay. <laughs> um, really, I mean, I guess I really quite enjoyed all of the characterization in this movie, um, and it's just a damn shame that, like, after Philip talks to Hubert, I I wasn't exhaustively tracking, but I do believe that's the last dialogue we hear out of either of our leagues which means that the last thing aurora does is cry and give the silent treatment to the fairies yeah and the last thing philip does it it it's like they lost the voices for the characters towards the end or something cuz they're just completely silent for the third yeah. act and okay it makes some sense in the case of the one who's asleep but like the fact that we don't even get like grunts out of philip is a bit wild she doesn't say
0: anything to her father
1: yeah like right at the end like i haven't seen you for well i mean i guess she doesn't feel any particular affection towards him he's entirely new (laughs) excuse me i'm gonna focus on enjoying this one thing because there's a lot going on right now (laughs) i'm enjoying this i will meet you later father fair enough (laughs) i don't think there was that much thought going into it (laughs) i think it was a storybook ending because that's how these things go but yeah it it's a little while that they never speak again,
0: it also compresses the time scale in a way that I wasn't like prepared for, because my memory of Sleeping Beauty is that she sleeps for hundreds of years. A boy who like was born after everyone she knew was dead is the one who comes and kisses yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: her. I like the maleficent taunts Philip with that idea as well, like she basically tells him the original version of the story, except he's the prince, uh, as he is now, <laughs> just like, yeah, bye, grandpa. she's she's a bitch yep she's good um but yeah this is uh they they changed up a lot about the classic version of this um the the thorns being a deliberate attack is a new thing those two meaning at all beforehand is a new thing you're right the prince is originally just some fucking prince who hears that there's a pretty lady in a tower and he can go kiss her uh and i think it's tremendously to their credit that they went all right let's let's maybe have them meet at some point you know, like each other a bit. Might be better.
0: There there are older versions of the story that I read as a child where one of the things that is he didn't kiss her. Um, He rang a silver bell in her room and that's what worked Ooh, her.
1: I haven't heard that one. Um,
0: but she could not leave the castle until True Love's True Kiss. Nah. And so there's a section of the story where they basically do home improvement around the castle until huh. they get to know each other and then they have a smooch.
1: Well, that's cute. That's yeah. nice. That's giving a relationship some time to develop. Yeah. Still, you know, a bit coercive but he's not being the coercive one at least Mm. that's curse's fault
0: yeah and it's it's effectively a bottle episode kind of tv show thing (laughs) but you need a castle anyway
1: but yeah having her wake up almost immediately after she falls to sleep is a big switch over in the disney version i feel like the story benefited from that um i do have one one considerable regret on the characterization front which i guess now is the time to talk about which is just that if we'd seen this movie not like 10 years later, maybe, I feel like we would have gotten the version where uh, Maleficent used the conflict between Aurora and the fairies to, to do something instead of just going, well, now I know where you are. You're hypnotized. You're a zombie. Yeah. And you won't say anything till the end of the film. Whereas like it would have been so easy to to go. Well, yeah, you know. They never let you meet anyone, and now they tell you you have to go and marry someone you don't care about. They totally fucking betrayed you. Maybe you should fuck off and not listen to anything they tell you. Maybe you should go where you want. Maybe you should touch the spindle. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting take. (laughs) It's disappointing that they could have used her wants uh, and and her agency as a character to, to work with that. Uh, they didn't. I guess because they just wanted to get it over and done with.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of getting it over and done with, now it's time for... <laughs> Alright. Whateverland!
1: Yeah, that's enough of that. <clears throat> this is the chintziest book we've seen yet. Oh my god.
0: My first note is chintziest fucking book.
1: <laughs> this the tackiest thing. It's even worse than I remember. I am loving these storybooks. <laughs> Alright,
0: your turn. <clears throat> okay, okay, so... I apologize that this is going to be a big one, but the fairies are referred to as excellency. Right. Excellency is a term with a purpose. It's in the same way that you would refer to a duke as your grace. Yeah,
1: I was just trying to think of who it was Uh uh, and I can't remember.
0: So your excellency is two possible options. One is that they are a relative or connected to a prince, but lack a princely title of their own. So, the crown consort of a prince is an excellency. It also covers ex-monarchs who aren't dead, which is to say, divorced members of the royal family, or kings and queens who abdicate. They get to be an excellency, assuming they don't also get, you know... Yeah. Um,
1: Turns out, peacefully go- giving up the crown... Rarely stops you from just being killed
0: mm-hmm. Um The other option is that it's somehow related to work they've done, which is you can be an excellency if you are a member of a certain number of knightly orders that have performed heroic deeds in the name of the king in war.
1: I mean, that probably makes more sense.
0: For perspective, <laughs> there have been no knights of the Thistle <laughs> who have ever been an excellency.
1: Oh, they're probably just bitter. <laughs>
0: Uh, And the other type of job you could do where you would be an excellency is a cardinal.
1: I guess they sort of do fill the place of religious leaders in in this because we don't see any church related stuff. but We know hell is real.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like, this is just an American (laughs) script writer who who has no reason to bother checking on these things. goes, excellency. That's a nice fancy word. Moving on.
1: I think they probably picked something that would be generic enough that people wouldn't think it was weird. Like, it's not any of the big ones that people know.
0: No. But I managed to elbow in a reference to the n- Order of the Thistle. so...
1: <laughs> well, you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I made fun of the music because I was hoping it would lead to discussing it with you. But <laughs> turns out you already know. So my note that says, wow, this music is really evocative of movement. I wonder what's up with that.
0: It's Tchaikovsky, right? Uh, the first gift is Girl Hot.
1: Which is doubly funny, because Queen already hot, so like, yeah. what what was your basis for assuming girl would not be hot?
0: I love the idea that this means that this fairy walked in and was like, oh, this won't be an easy one.
1: <laughs> That's why Flora always goes first. <laughs> Follow this one up, ladies.
0: <laughs> I gave her beauty. Now what are you two idiots going to give her?
1: <laughs> I always wondered what Merriweather's gift was going to be. A laser. I mean, we'll never know, but heralds are so convenient for exposition. Yep. <laughs> I've never noticed that, but I feel like they've done a great service to movies over the years.
0: Classic theatrical trick. That was a thing that's done in a bunch of plays. It's but done in Shakespeare.
1: It's the medieval equivalent of, of having a character Spin- watch the news. or Sorry. It's the medieval equivalent of like having a character turn on the news. Or a
0: spinning newspaper. A spinning, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's great.
0: Maleficent. ...calls them rabble.
1: I do love... It. How
0: quaint. <laughs>
1: quaint, another word I learned from this movie. So many words.
0: I appreciate that the king in this... ...actually does something kingly and useful. Mm-hmm. There is an infrastructural problem. A, a spindle will kill his daughter. So, he replaces the spindles. He gets rid of all the spindles in the kingdom... And the people are still shown wearing clothes, so they clearly got something else. (laughs) But the fact that the king was able to go, hang on, I am king, what can I do about this curse? Mm. I will deal with objects that relate to this curse. That's surprising.
1: I don't know. I mean, it makes sense as a a worried father kind of thing, but it's obviously not going to help. And when it comes to it, we see Maleficent make one out of thin air in the end, so it clearly never meant anything.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, Maleficent had to make one out of thin air. He didn't know that. That also paints a question about how magic works in this setting. Because if she was just going to show up and make a magic spindle that also knocked her out, you might as well like, well, what the fuck? Like, wh- is this like some really bullshit Vancian magic where you prepare the spell 16 years <laughs> in advance?
1: Maybe you can only do something that powerful if you... Weave it that far in advance. Maybe the spell's got to charge up for 16
0: years before it can work. Listen, if magic takes that much effort to kill someone, we would never bother developing <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> I saw a lot of halberds in that kingdom. Yeah. Feel like they would have done the trick.
0: Yeah. So would a big rock.
1: Big rock? <laughs> Maleficent used a big rock later on. She's learned something in 16 years.
0: <laughs> I love a villain who has development <laughs> and a big rock.
1: And a big rock. <laughs> <laughs> And a dungeon. Wait, do I just like Philip because he gets tied up? Oh
0: no! Uh-huh. <clears throat> Moving right along from that. The magic system has an intentionality and a morality. It can only be done for... Can only, the fairies' magic can only be used for good things, which implies that, for example, cleaning up so they don't have to is a good thing, uh-huh. which suggests that these fairies view the idea of automation to reduce the load of a laborer ah. as a form of moral good and therefore these fairies are fucking comrades
1: <laughs> I like it, I like it I'm here for it. For the longest time I thought good deer was like good cheer I thought it was one thing because you um, can only do good dear. Oh, right, <laughs> It's like an LMNOP situation
0: Yeah, yes, yes, a mondegreen
1: <laughs> Is that what it's called?
0: Well, one of the words for it.
1: Right, that thing I, this film reminds me, and I enjoy it, uh, that Disney princesses used to talk to forest animals because they were friendless losers otherwise. Yeah. It's kind of nice to have that pop up again, like, oh yeah, that's right. It's not, you know, the animals are inherently attracted to princessness. It's just, you learn to be friends with animals because you don't have human friends.
0: Uh, Maleficent says, well... She couldn't have just disappeared into thin air shortly after she just disappeared into thin air. Yeah, but
1: Aurora couldn't have vanished into thin air. Maleficent can.
0: She's the mistress of all evil. I'm just saying, Maleficent, don't act like it's a thing people can't do when you know they can. Anyway.
1: I'm so disappointed the crow did not get turned blue and pink. (laughs) He clearly got hit by the magic.
0: He had pink around his eyes.
1: He already had pink around his eyes. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and they could have gone blue. blue. Yeah, they could have blueed and pinked. It.
1: I just wanted to see that scene where the crow goes back and he's pink. And she's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Well.
0: Yeah, by the way, let Maleficent say fuck.
1: <laughs> I mean, she says hell, which is... I don't know if we'll hear that again in a Disney movie. Not for a while. Oh, well, I mean, not until we're being very explicit about it. And put a 40-year pin in that.
0: Uh, I think that Briar Rose, while that's from the original uh, fairy tale... I think Briar Rose is a rad name.
1: Yeah, That's lovely. It's kind of better than Aurora, but...
0: it—it It is a name that does, like, invoke a superhero character who has, like, you know, knuckle dusters with, like, horns on them.
1: <laughs> you have very different ideas to 50s Disney.
0: Yeah, I do. I like them. I like women, for example. <clears throat> Princesses sure <show> feet. <laughs> so, while the fairy solutions tend to be stupid... I will give them points for, they're not at, like, again, they don't tip the fuck up juice over anyone in this. They they just, they make mistakes, and their solutions are weird, but it is still, Maleficent is fucking up shit.
1: Tis, tis, fucking up shit. I still want to talk about the feet, though. I I think she's actually barefoot for the entire film. At first, I just assumed she had shoes at the point where she got the princess gown on, but I looked as hard as I could squinting my eyes when she's going down the stairs at the end and I think she's just barefoot the whole time. I think somebody at the studio had a foot thing. <laughs> We've got Cinderella then this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> somebody likes
1: tiny, tiny feet.
0: They did do an episode about the dogs. Dogs don't have big feet. <laughs> um, the sword and shield Um you may remember when that came up, I started going, boo! You you
1: booed them, and I wondered if it was a biblical reference.
0: So, yes it is, but also it's not. Uh, There is a passage in the Epistle to the Ephesians about putting on the armor of God, and it is a extremely overused (laughs) thing in Christians trying very hard to make their faith sound cool. Look how cool
1: and metal we are.
0: Yeah, um, and always, the list is too long to actually produce something cool. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you know girdle about your loins with righteousness so he has a sword of truth and a shield of righteousness those aren't actually what those things are in the in the Bible oh, good. Okay. the sword is not truth the shield is not righteousness it's your girdle that's righteousness anyway the point is
1: well that's good though. I mean it's not a biblical reference it's just some shit they made <laughs> up because they wanted to give their prince called cool the indie
0: gear well it was it was Christian enough at this point that I just went oh this is we have the armor of God at home.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I like that energy too. <laughs> um, I remember that turkey leg like, oh. <laughs> especially the the weird movement of the meat when he takes a bite out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the skin sort of waves around, it looks like fabric for a second there. <laughs> There's always something in one of these films where I remember a really specific bit of animation and I sit here going, I think I'm neurotypical. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But that meat moves
0: really sus. (laughs) The fairies say, you must do this on your own and then spend the next 10 minutes helping him directly. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. You You must do
1: this personally might have been more accurate. Doesn't sound as good though.
0: As opposed to what I would have been, is, we need your lips.
1: <laughs> he does have lips. I guess that's like a pseudo eyelash watch.
0: Yeah. Because
1: men are going to lose their lips pretty soon as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what is it? I'm tapped out now. Uh,
1: right. Nope. Uh, I love when Hubert sheaths the fish.
0: <laughs>
1: shoves it back in his belt like any other sort. Yeah. It's just a good bit. It's not, there's nothing deep to say about it. I just like it. Nya, da, 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 da. Creepy sleeping roses, extra shading. Just about done. Um, Notice one of the things which is really characteristic of Disney animation, um, which is character details you're not focusing on, nevertheless being used in a really expressive way. So when you do look, you're like, oh, hang on. They've been doing this this whole time, haven't they? The fairies' wings are really expressive. Yeah. Like the hairy, clear, you know, they're, they're like the tail wag. Oh my god, fairies are also dogs! <laughs> um, but anyway, that's cute, and it's reminding me to, to look in non obvious places when we rewatch these movies, because there's gold to be had from Disney stuff pretty much from this point on, just looking somewhere in the scene that's not the focal character at any time. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love the the wand the welding wands yeah <laughs> <Potos>. <laughs> straight fucking industrial shit suddenly
0: yeah. flashdance starts <laughs> playing
1: now are their comrades <laughs> <laughs> they're working yeah. in the factories by night yes <laughs> that poor crow I mean he's a bastard but I think he is the most effective Disney henchman we will see for. Possibly ever. Yeah. We're going to have to keep an eye out for, for henches who are more useful than that crow, because I'm not <laughs> sure there are any.
0: I don't think we're ever going to see one that beats that crow. And I don't think we're ever going to see one who gets punished quite as severely as <laughs> <Is> that <laughs> and crow. Yeah, Maryweather mugged a mug bit. Yeah. Uh, get him. I was like, on the one hand, there's a part of me that's like, hey, that crow was actually not that bad overall morally, despite being a servant of the lord of all hell. But- You know, then again, I think, hang on, this is giving Meriwether the chance to just fucking kill something. (sighs)
1: She really needed to get it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's interesting. She can't turn Maleficent into something, but she can stone a crow. I I guess nobody likes crows.
0: Or hurting that crow was a good act.
1: (sighs) Is it an emotional thing? Is it just that it would have to make her so happy
0: that it counts as a moral good overall? Or is it possible that the other fairy who laid out the rules is a no-fun fuss budget? (laughs)
1: That's definitely true. (laughs) Flora is the buzzkill out of these three. I mean, Thorne is just, she's clearly like a follower. She's got that really gentle nature where she just wants everyone to get along. Oh, yeah. Uh, Look, you've
0: got your basic archetypes. You've got your narc, you've got your ditz, and you've got your goon. (laughs)
1: Oh, I thought so much you were going to say, leader, cool but rude, and does machines. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's obviously wrong. If you want three anthropomorphic animals, it's not turtles. It's yeah. yeah, that's about it. Love how they had the dress. Keep changing colors. Even... After the scene froze on the storybook. Yeah. It's a cute bit. It's a good joke. I like it. Yeah. This movie has good jokes.
0: Yeah. Uh, it has a greater sense of reality. It has characters having inner life. It is pretty much one of the best ones of these. good uh,
1: It's definitely our best princess movie so far. Hands uh-huh. down.
0: Even though we have fairies who, even though we have fairies here who are comrades, we nonetheless have to deal with living in the shadow of capitalism. So, we want talk box office.
1: Of course, box office. All right. I feel like this has gotta be cheaper than than Lady in the Tramp. Oh, you just made a face that says it's definitely not. Wow. I feel like a lot of the different techniques should have saved the money.
0: Yeah, but they didn't. This movie costs six million to make.
1: Oh, that's a lot of old-timey money. Yeah. Yeah, these are just escalating. Uh, box office take. Uh, I feel like this is a nu- No, you know what? I, I this one's gonna be big right out of the gates. That's just my prediction.
0: January 1959, in its initial release, this movie made a loss.
1: Oh, no.
0: This was enough of a loss that was not recovered by the end of the year that this is the first year where Disney recorded a total financial loss and resulted in a bunch of animators being fired and uh, the entire animation department being slimmed down. This was the gut shot. That changed the way Disney oh, worked. Oh my here god! On of out. course
1: it is, because we're going into the sixties. Yeah. Which is a rough time for Disney. That will last until like 1987.
0: Now I didn't get you to guess the actual money because this gets because they posted a loss in their first month.
1: Right, but this is going to go huge on home video sales for sure.
0: But its domestic box office sales, according to Box Office Mojo, which so far has been pretty reliable about this stuff, lists that this movie made $34 million in box openings? office. And it was never released internationally. Ugh, okay. So I was like, well, what the fuck's going on here? Is it- this some studio shenanigans bullshit? No, it turns out Sleeping Beauty stayed in theaters for 152 <laughs> weeks.
1: I'm sorry. I wanted so badly to interrupt and say years before <laughs> True Love arose. <laughs> <coughs> yes, go on. wow okay so uh it's just one of those ones where opening weekend doesn't mean shit
0: yeah okay theaters kept renting it and they kept paying for it this thing did make really big bank and probably that pad of money kept disney going for a fair bit but it was doing it in a long tail way that movie theaters were not movie studios were not used to doing it did get a re-release after walt disney died in 1962 uh, sorry, in uh, 1986, and there it made $15 million in 80s money. So right, right. that's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Still, um, the movie did fairly badly, and we have some critical response. Do you remember our old friend, friend of the podcast, Bosley Crowther?
1: I think we should listen to what Bosley Crowther has to say. He's a fucking
0: ding-dong. Bosley Crowther has a super interesting place in history as a media critic, uh, and also... Uh, like, his son went on to write Chuck Norris movies.
1: <laughs> his- well, clearly he knew what good filmmaking was about. His son made movies for the Canon group. <laughs> I, I mean, there's only two ways this can go. And the better one is that the son was like, fuck you, dad. Uh,
0: the son was also one of the cartoonists for Mad Magazine. So, yeah. Okay.
1: A-, a pigeonhole is forming in my mind. mm mm-hmm. Well, anyway.
0: Nonetheless, Bosley Crowther said, The colours are rich, the sounds are luscious, and magic sparkles spurt charmingly from wands. But he went on to dunk on the movie, comparing it negatively to Snow White, because (sighs) the princess looks so much like Snow White, they could be a couple of Miss Rheingolds, separated by three or four years. (laughs) Fucking what? I'm sorry? (laughs) I... This man is an imbecile. And she has the same magical rapport with the little creatures of the woods. The witch is the same, I apologize for this, slant-eyed Cersei, who worked her evil Snow White. And the three good fairies could be maiden sisters of the misogynistic seven dwarves.
1: Well, okay, at least he noticed that the dwarves are misogynistic at least. I mean, he's noticed the same thing that we did, which is that there's a lot of comparison points between these two movies. It's just that this one is better in every way.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Uh...
1: Man, fuck this guy! <laughs> no, look, you need to understand that that some movies are for exploring and some movies are for refining. And this is a refinement of the princess formula that made it so much fucking better than Snow White. It's not even worth... Co- can you compare Maleficent to the the evil queen from Snow White doesn't even get a name
0: we it really is interesting that we and he agree on that this movie is basically Snow White again (laughs) it's just we think that's a good thing and he thinks it's not yeah
1: what a weirdo (laughs) I do I disagree completely that the princesses look alike though they are so so different yeah can you imagine Snow White making the face that Aurora makes when she slips out of the cottage for the first time and like Looks back knowingly with a super arched 60s eyebrows. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Yep. <laughs> she's saucy is all I'm saying. Yeah. She, she's a hottie. She's the first Disney princess who I will declare a hottie.
0: Yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable with that because, like, she's 16. Yeah. But Whoa. she's modeled on an adult actress. She is, yes. <laughs> and she's a cartoon. Yeah. So. And, and also, she's, like, that's not how 16-year-olds look. It's not, no. <laughs> that's not how 16-year-olds raised in the woods look.
1: <laughs> that's a good point.
0: I want to see Feral Ewok Aurora.
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's what Aurora looks like. Dude, okay, you you don't sew or anything like that. Your mom sews. So, your mom has bought Butterick patterns from somewhere over yeah. the years. Aurora looks like every fashion model on the front of every one of those fucking clothes pattern packets, of which there are 15 billion.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> and they all star her.
0: Yeah, no, straight up, you're right.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Wow, <laughs> I just <need to> <laughs> have to give me a moment. <laughs> <Straight up. laughs> so uh, now we're on to the next thing, which I, I I am drawing a fucking blank. I I wish I wasn't. We're not up to Fox and the Hound yet, are we?
0: Dog movie. Dog movie. Dog, dog movie. Dog movie. Dog movie. Dog movie. 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians already. 1961.
1: Shit. And I thought it wasn't I thought it was pushing the 70s.
0: And guess who gets to show up as the directing animator lead.
1: Oh, we're gonna see Swaggle this time for sure. We're
0: fucking seeing some Swaggles. Oh,
1: Swaggle Watch goes into overdrive. See you next time, folks. One... Gift, laser eyes, villains caught by great surprise. When evil stalks the human race, she'll blast the bad guys with beams from her face.